Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining me. On tonight's show, Julia Lee of Berman Invest and June Bay Lu of Tribeca Alpha Plus will tell us about the stocks that they've added to their portfolio and they hold right now and they think will come good in 2022, maybe because they haven't really shot the lights out in 2021. And then they will reveal any recent acquisitions and why they've added them to their fund. We also are joined by the treasurer, Josh Fry where I ask him to share his treasury crystal ball to see if we can expect big economic growth that in turn should feed into profits in 2021 and then, of course, in the share prices. We know the RBA and economists like Westpac's Bill Evans have big economic growth forecasts out there, but do the number crunches in treasury agree? I'm also wondering how he thinks our economy will cope with the Omicron variant and Beijing's aggressive trade policies towards us nowadays. Let's hope he's got some positive uh, views on that. So let's kick off with Julia Lee of Bourbon Invest. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Great to be here, Pete. Let's talk about the market today. It's nice to see that uh, a bit of positivity is coming back to the market. And it kind of followed a surprise big inflation number in the US, which uh, led to lower yields and a higher stock market. Genuinely <laughs> thought that would happen. The market's a, a funny thing. Once it prices in information, it's a, all about whether, you know, you're seeing a positive move from that point of information or negative. And although inflation was really hot in the US, it came in on expectations. So a bit of a relief rally in terms of the US stock market. And of course, here in terms of the Aussie share market as well. But December overall does tend to be a good month for the Aussie share market. In fact, looking at the last 10 years and the average performance for the Aussie market is 3%. This month, we've actually seen the banks doing quite well. The banks, if we have a look at the big four banks in the month to date, they're already up 5.5%, um, 3.7%. Sorry, Commonwealth Bank is the best, up 5.5%, and Westpac is the worst, up by 2%. So, look, it looks like the banks as well as the miners are on fire at the moment, helping the Aussie share market. So just watching China stimulus to see whether our miners can continue further here. Yeah. Julie, did you take much uh, notice? Because you kind of like BHP, don't you? Yes, we like BHP and we also have Fortescue in the portfolio as well as AllCam in the lithium space, although we've just recently sold Pilbara Minerals. And look, we think that in 2021 that things will continue to grow and that bodes well for commodities. Um, with the lithium miners, it's all about the net zero goal and, of course, electric vehicles are being adopted much faster than expected. So that's expected to see a supply-demand imbalance in 2021. As we've seen in 2020, we're really the supply of lithium can't keep up with demand and that's seeing those prices at record highs. So that's expected to continue in 2021. I think you mean 2022. Uh, 2022. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been really, such a stretch couple of really years. It's really hard to keep track of what year it is. That's right. Well, you very still make mistakes on anything, but big things like the year, who cares? Look, we, we know what you're talking about. All right, so so that, and I, I was going to ask you, you might have noticed uh, last week, I think Vale downgraded its production outlook. That kind of should be good for BHP. 
Yes. Um, I guess, Pete, you know, we have been talking about the iron ore miners for a while. And uh, I've always said that, you know, past the winter Beijing Olympics, that China is probably going to ramp up steel production once again. And the market is a little bit funny. It, it prices in future information. So it tends to move three to six months before things actually happen. So we've started to see the iron ore miners moving. And of course, that's also been helped along by the Chinese government looking to help stimulate the Chinese economy from the lower growth levels that we're seeing at the moment, as well as helping the property space, which consumes so much of the steel and iron ore. So um, uh, I guess the iron ore miners looking good at this stage. They've run pretty hot now. So looking to see whether we do see a bit of a rest in January, but overall looking to see some more stimulus coming through from China. So um, it does look like the first half, I think will be well supported. Yeah, I know that uh, I was surprised when uh... Rudy Philippeck Van Dyke on the uh, webinar we did recently made the point that the dividend for BHP could be around 10%. Oh, yeah, the cash cows at the moment. You know, traditionally, when we think about the dividend payers on the Aussie share market, you know, they're the Telstra's of the world, utilities, but because cash generation has been so strong in terms of these miners, uh, the dividends are just absolutely huge. I mean, you only have to look at Fortescue, which is seeing, you know, a greater than 10% return when you include, um, I guess, the special dividends that they've been looking at as well. So look, you know, miners, they're a great dividend payer at the moment. Just keep in mind that they're not consistent. They are cyclical. So they do have their ups as well as their down and they do move in cycles. So as the global economy looks to recover from COVID and grow, uh, it should continue to be a ben beneficiary in 2022. That's a real good warning. Okay, let's talk about the stocks that you, you've been holding and they might not have shot the lights out, but you, st you think they have good potential for next year. Sure. I guess one of the more riskier ones that we hold in the portfolio is Nanasonics. It hasn't done too much. And when the market has sold off, it tends to sell off more because it is higher beta and considered higher risk. And I guess if you have a look at Nanasonics, for those of you who aren't familiar with the business, what it does is it cleans the ultrasound probes. Um, obviously, if you're being probed by an ultrasound, you want it to be clean and not um, spread disease. Yep, go on. Um, it's called the Trophon machine. And look, the reason why I'm still very positive on Nanasonics post the August reporting season is that revenue was up by 3%. Now, that doesn't sound impressive, but in the second half of uh, FY21, revenue was up by double digits. So there was a strong bounce back from the pandemic levels, which of course impacted heavily on hospital activity and being able to sell to the hospitals. So activity is coming back. Not only that, some of the older uh, Trophon models um, there's about 6,500 models over in the US, which are more than seven years old, which means they're up for replacement. So you've got that replacement cycle as well. And then you have a new product to the market as well. So look, um, Nanasonics is an expert in the area of uh, cleaning uh, probes. So the other probe that they're looking at is endoscopy probes. So this is a new product to the market called Chorus, which I'll be looking at selling in 2023. So it's another avenue of growth over the next two, three years um, that the market will slowly start to price in. So um, a few different avenues of growth. Of course, the pandemic has meant that um, hospitals aren't operating the same and the capacity to sell to hospitals hasn't been the same either. So just watching COVID very closely. But I think over the next two to three years, not only will you have a new product to uh, give extra revenue, but as hospital activity normalizes, it should be a beneficiary. Yeah, good point. Let's go to the next one. 
Aristocrat Leisure, look, the share price hasn't been doing too much. And look, there's probably still a bit of risk in the stock over the next three to four weeks. And that's because it's looking at a major acquisition of Playtech. Now, Playtech is an on, uh, online gaming as well as sports betting platform. And the reason why it works so well with Aristocrat Leisure is that Aristocrat Leisure is an expert in content. Um, so to be able to put some of the games that Aristocrat Leisure has onto this huge, massive platform will just give it an extra step up in terms of growth. Now, the problem here is that there has been other players which have been uh, interested in Playtech. There was uh, Grofa and that's that particular company has bowed out, um, but there's another company at the moment. But there is a deadline in the first week of January. And if that company hasn't um, lodged a formal bid, then it does look like Aristocrat Leisure may be the only one on the table. And hopefully that transaction will go through because I think that will lead to a positive re-rating of Aristocrat shares and a, a, an acceleration of growth for Aristocrat Leisure, which has been doing very well with its content and casino activity normalising in the US. Um, but this will give it another level of growth into, I guess, uh, what's been a hugely growing area, and that's online games. Okay. And finally, you, you're still flying high with Qantas. Yeah, look, it's been slower than expected recovery, but it's slowly getting back to normal. And look, mm. I just caught up with someone who flew in from Luxembourg. So it looks like travel is slowing, slowly coming back on the agenda. And although, you know, there is still uh, concern around Omicron, um, it does look like the world is getting more used to it, although it is much more transmissible. So just watching those hospital volumes very closely and, of course, those borders. But as vaccination levels continue to increase and the booster level, I guess we're in a very different place to where we were in February 2020 in how we handle COVID-19. And there's a lot more we know in terms of treatment, in terms of vaccination, social distancing, masks. Um, and so it looks like with every variant, the world is recovering faster and faster. So look, I'm still positive Qantas, given that I think when things do get back to normal, and they will eventually, that uh, Qantas will be in a much better place um, because they have cut out a lot of their costs. But also, it does look like um, the, the airline tickets at the moment are selling for a bit more than they used to. So there's a nice margin on them at the moment as well. I totally agree. I, I wrote today in the Switzer report, I thought Qantas is a, a really good stock for the future. Julia Lee, thanks for your contribution this year. It's always been great for you to share your insights, and I really appreciate it. Have a great Christmas. Merry I Christmas. Hope you have a safe and great Christmas, Pete. Will do, will do. Thanks for joining us once again. See you in January. Thanks. Well, joining us now is June Bay Lou from Tribeca Alpha Plus. Uh, June Bay, how are you? I am very good. How are you, Peter? Very good, very good. Now, um, I put it to you, I wanted you to talk about stocks that maybe um, you've held and they haven't really come good uh, at this point in time or as good as you would like and you know what's your view on them for the the year ahead so let's kick off with your first one yeah look of course the first one will be ramsey look this one we have talked about this since pretty much last year um and so we thought the share price will move pretty quickly as it has for many uh travel companies and others um now it took a very long time and the share price still sort of still in that trading range um sort of below 70 dollars um the main reason being that uh, we just have so many uh, uh, uh sort of stop and start um sort of you know reopening thematic to our economy 
Uh, the private hospitals, though, they have very long waiting lists. Um, but we, you know, we keep experiencing lockdowns and things. And of course, they have operations in France, in UK, they are having sort of similar sort of experience. Um, but look, this is something we think you can make really good money off out of. And uh, the company actually today just made a announcement buying the mental uh, hospital um, chain over there in the UK. It's very accretive. In fact, earnings will, uh, they, uh, Ramsey will have earnings upgrades to the mid single digits um, uh, from consensus overnight. So it's very good acquisition. Uh, it's using its debt efficiently and it's going to talk about its uh, separation of its core you know, uh, call uh, premium hospital properties um, uh, with the operating business. So there's a lot of value to be unlocked. It's just a little bit, you know, boring um, in a lot of investors' view, but boring is good. Um, it's, it's, it's not risky. Um, it will make you a lot of return. Okay. So that's Ramsey. And of course, the point you're making with Ramsey is because of the dominance of the coronavirus and what hospitals had to deliver to accommodate these changes, a lot of their normal business was put on the sidelines and you're thinking eventually when normalcy comes, all that business on the sidelines starts becoming very real and very rewarding to the business's bottom line. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, the COVID really just caused a lot of disruption. And at the moment, they've got a little bit, because the border's closed, it's hard to come by the nursing staff as well. So costs are higher, revenues yet to return to 100%. That's why we're experiencing a bit of disruption. But eventually, we will get past this, and that's when things will come, come good for this business. Okay, so the next stock you're gambling on, what, what stock is that? <laughs> I like your terms. Yes, that's Crown. You know, in that case, Crown and Star, in my view, is very similar sort of experience. Look, the, both of these companies um, clearly has been impacted a lot um, by the lockdown and its revenue is still way below uh, what it should be. Um, and uh, and yet, those are these are two businesses that hold some of the most premium assets, particularly Crown. That's why we're actually seeing private equity trying to bid for Crown and potentially many other um, interested parties and share price, um, interestingly, still trading at a big discount to what the bid price is. So, um, you know, the market is not realizing its value because the current earnings struggling and because some of the regulatory um, sort of review at the moment. But these two businesses have very strong, um, very premium asset, um, you know, with incredible amount of uh, incredible location. Um, and the business itself is extremely defensive. Remember the days where, you know, the gaming company used to trade at such a high premium because the earnings are very, very defensive. So um, these two, we certainly see uh, a lot of opportunity in the next 12, 12 months forwards. So I guess if you could wipe away the, the challenges of the coronavirus and you've got tourists coming back and you've got the, uh, the eventual ending of you know, inquiries into the performance of management, wipe all that away. And what remains is basically... An oligopoly, isn't it? There's, there's basically only two operators in this uh, in this uh, space, and you kind of think they should be able to, to make some pretty good profits down the track. Absolutely. Um, they should be, even if they make the profit before, uh, as they made before the COVID, um, the ship, it's it's very, very cheap on that basis. And now there's potential for, you know, realization of some of the asset, you know, they're all talking about separating out um, uh, the, the actual property compared to versus the operating business. So on that basis, you know, things should be, should be pretty good as we have seen all other property prices have gone up significantly and these two haven't really. 
Okay. So the next stop might have been driving you to drink. Is that? <laughs> That's right. Next stop is something we all enjoy during the lockdown. And I think we'll enjoy more of it as we come out of it. Um, that is Endeavour. So that is that um, liquor business that was split out of Woolworth. Um, and, um, and now it's a standalone business. Now, the business did do quite well. Parts of the business do well as it serviced the, uh, you know, people buying alcohol um, uh, through the um, Dan Murphys and, you know, into their homes. However, a big part of the business is the hotels and pubs business. Um, and, um, and that business was pretty much shut for a very long period of time, a little bit like the casinos. Um, and with the world reopens and people going to more to the restaurants, um, you know, you should expect the earnings to um, to actually do very well on that side of business. So net net, uh, it's not like the Woolworth was the pure beneficiary of COVID. Um, this business will actually do better once the world reopens. It's not super expensive uh, in that whole space, especially compared to the likes of the supermarket and the earning is very defensive. Okay. Now, what about Treasury Wine Estates, um, June Bay? Oh, yeah. Treasury Wine Estates is another one that we truly like. Um, you know, we, we liked it for quite some time. Uh, share price did initially um, uh, post last year sell down because of the tariff and the like. Um, share price has uh, has recovered somewhat, but since then has pretty much done nothing against the market that was rising higher. Uh, that's all because of, uh, you know, um, the the. the the market is still treating it as a basket of company gets impacted by China tariff and things and thinking it's very high risk. Now, um, the, the, it's China business that has pretty much gone to zero, um, not gone to zero, but gone to a very, very small amount because of the high tariff. And a lot of that numbers already washed through. Uh, what's really good, though, they actually have proven their ability to sell all these inventory, those um, premium penfo and others to other markets because they see incredible amount of demand. Previously, they couldn't sell it to them because they don't have in enough inventory. And now they're seeing these markets picking up. They're seeing the US market picking up. They recently made a really incredible uh, premium, um, you know, wine uh, portfolio, but an premium wine portfolio in the US uh, added to its um, its US business, very complimentary. Um, and yet the business um, still uh, trading at a very decent discount to its global peers. So, you know, on that basis, this one will will do, um, you know, incredibly well over the next 12 months. I feel like I keep talking about SinSocks, but, uh, you know, they, uh, it is a company with incredible brands and brand is really hard to build in this market. Yeah, well, I guess given what you've talked about, gambling and drinking and drinking, no wonder you're also talking about hospitals because after all that activity, you'll end up in the hospital, uh, Jimbo. <laughs> Let's go to the final one. I asked you, what was a new buy? What have you added to the portfolio? And obviously on the base that you think 2022 is going to be good for the company. Look, absolutely. And this one is on the good side, which is the uh, the A2 milk, the infant formula. I think we previously spoke about this one. The company has had a really tough time for the last 18 or well, pretty much almost two years now, um, ever since the pandemic where lots of um, uh, mothers in China uh, bought a lot of its infant formula. And it took this long to really wash through the whole system. Um, and now we've seen all good indicating indication coming through. The pricing are stable. Uh, latest sales volume on the singles day and the digital sales all look pretty good. Yes, the China's border has yet to open, so the Daigo channel is yet to return, but we're seeing green shoots. So everything's pointing to a better 2022 with the share price 
pretty much all time lows at this point. And the company has no debt, um, very strong balance sheet, something like five, six hundred million dollars cash sitting on the balance sheet. Very good brand um, and with a good um, you know, management team with previously very strong track record of uh, execution. So, you know, our view is that 2022 will be a much better year for this company. OK, do you think it's also a takeover target or that's like a, a, a less likely thing? You know, given how low the share price is, I wouldn't be surprised to see a big company like Nestle at least eyeing it off. Oh, absolutely. This is absolutely a takeover target for 2022. There's still a lot of cheap money around and Nestle has been rumoured in the market. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there are many other brands out there because it doesn't have debt. It is it has net cash, as we talked about before, and brand is hard to build. Um, it takes decades to build a brand that resonates with global consumers. So, and this one has. So, um, you know, it's really a great opportunity for a global consumer product, a consumer brand um, to add this one to its portfolio and it can lower the costs immediately and really just generate, you know, use that brand equity to, uh, to you know, enrich their own portfolio. So, you know, it's absolutely a target and I wouldn't be surprised in 12 months this company won't be listed. Well, keep our fingers crossed, Jim Bailu. I've been sweating on A2 milk to, to do a turnaround for a while. So it's, it's going to happen. <laughs> let's, hope, let's hope it happens. Um, thanks very much for your contribution over the year. We've Really enjoyed it and we appreciate the time you give us and uh, we hope you have a great uh, festive period. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a great Christmas and enjoy your holiday break. Thanks for joining us, Treasurer. Nice to see you, Peter. Right, look, because you're the, the man who really should care more about where our economy and financial markets are going. And, and I kind of presume you have some pretty good insights from your colleagues at Treasury Reserve Bank and whatever. What, what is the economic growth outlook for Australia 2022? Positive. And you've already seen the RBA upgrade their forecasts from four and a quarter to five and a half percent by the end of next year. You've seen the OECD and the IMF also upgrade their growth forecast for Australia. And we'll be revealing in my EFO that again, Australia is going to continue to grow strongly into next year, even stronger than we initially expected. But it's not just the growth numbers um, that are very encouraging. It's also the jobs data. Uh, we've seen 350,000 jobs come back since the start of September. We've seen job ads reach a 13 year high with more than 250,000 jobs available. Uh, we've seen business and consumer confidence come back strongly. Investment intentions, those CapEx expect, expectations by business, particularly in the non-mining sector, is the strongest on record. Uh, and we've also seen Australia maintain its AAA credit rating. And as restrictions have eased, uh, Pete, you've also seen that retail spending has picked up and the Black Friday sales were very encouraging. So all of that economic activity is pointing in the right direction and news that the Queensland border is opening too is another proof point that lives are getting back to normal in a COVID safe way. Yeah, I, I bet you hope Bill Evans is right. He's got about a 7% call out there for 2022. Uh, from all my investments, I hope he's right as well. Let's go to the next issue, namely, Omicron, now, you know, obviously we don't know what's going to happen there, but I would, I would have imagined you would have sought out the best advice you can get uh, 
do you suspect the the high transmission but low threat to our life and hospitalization will continue well omicron is not the first and won't be probably the last variant that we face uh, and early signs are that as you say it's more transmissible but perhaps less severe than some of the other variants we haven't seen mass hospitalization for example, in South Africa, where the vaccination rate is lower than here in Australia. And there's no evidence as yet that the vaccines are not a defence against the virus. So the signs, again, are encouraging, but it's also a reminder that you are not out of the pandemic just yet. And we as a nation need to be vigilant. We need to follow the health restrictions when they're in place. Uh, and, uh, and we need to continue to support that economic recovery. But people shouldn't panic. They shouldn't overreact. And certainly my message has been to the state premiers that they need to keep calm and carry on. Now, I know you're a very supportive treasurer when it comes to your, um, your leader in chief, Scott Morrison, but as a treasurer, do you sometimes say, gee, can you just leave China alone, Scott? Can we just get economics happening for the sake of the economy? So what, what is well, that? My view about China is, um, that, is that it has changed um, under its current leadership. And, uh, and gone are the days back in October 2000, and an American president addressed our federal parliament in consecutive days. I couldn't see that happening right now. Um, and China is a lot more assertive, uh, diplomatically, politically, economically, and militarily, uh, and that has created tensions and complexity in our uh, region. My view is that China is a very important trading partner for Australia, and we want that obviously. This needs to be clear and consistent where our lines are. And they are with respect, there's a national interest ruler that goes through over those, over those applications. It's with respect to foreign interference. Um, it's with respect to human rights and freedom of speech in our own countries. So as long as we're clear and consistent, I think that's the most important thing. But there's no doubt we have been subject to China's economic coercion, as you know, whether it's with barley or wine or coal, uh, exports, but fortunately, our exporters have been able to find new markets. Okay, let's go to um, the SME recovery loan scheme. Uh, why are you extending it, mate? Is of course the lockdowns have kind of delayed the, the initial oomph of the recovery? Well, small businesses restrictions have seen their doors closed. Some of them have seen their customers dry up. Others have been very adaptable and where, and where possible, taken their business online and done so successfully, but not every business can do that. Um, these loans being extended for another six months uh, is not free money. It's merely providing an opportunity for these businesses to back themselves. Uh, if you've got a turnover of up to $250 million, you could apply for up to $5 million in loan, a 10-year duration, uh, and um, you can use that to rent machinery and equipment or to take advantage of the government's expanded instead of being successful today, Peter, with about 80,000 businesses um, or 80,000 loans being provided worth 
over $7 billion. So we're expecting um, a, a strong take up in the six months ahead. Okay. Finally, MAIFA comes out this week. Can we expect uh, tax cuts to come if the numbers are a lot bigger than expected? Well, I love you, I love you uh, asking me that question, but I uh, have to decline um, uh, that temptation to, to, to respond fully because, uh, as you know, I'm not going to uh, get into the speculation about uh, what's in or out of a budget next year. But I will take the opportunity, though, Pete, to reiterate that our government has always sought to, to cut taxes at every opportunity. We've legislated through the parliament over $300 billion of tax cuts. Labor called them offensive. Um, now they somewhat belatedly expect us to believe that they believe in them. Uh, we've cut taxes for small business down to its lowest level in 50 years. Business investment incentives through the expanded instant asset write-off have helped spur investment even during the COVID recession. We've introduced measures like the loss carry back. As you know, I've announced a patent box for the medical and biotech sector. So we are using our tax system to encourage businesses to, to innovate, um, to grow, uh, to invest. And that's been part of the economic story. Well, you know, I, I lead a very hectic social life, mate. And I, I need to know whether the budget's going to be in May or in March. Can you tell me when the budget's going to be? <laughs> Well, the budget's in late March, and then, uh, you know, that's what I'm working towards, and that's the expectation. As you know, budgets are normally in May, um, but uh, this hasn't been an unusual time. Last year, we had a budget in October. Mm. Um, my first budget, I think, was in April, uh, and then on the eve of that election, and, and now I've got one in March. So it's been licorice all sorts when it comes to budget dates. I've, uh, this will be my fourth budget, and uh, on four different dates. All right, mate, thanks for joining us. Have a great break. And I look forward to talking to you in 2022. And that's the show for the night. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can always become a subscriber to The Switzer Report. Go to switzerreport.com.au. And that's where you'll get some real insights, uh, more detailed insights in some of the companies that some of our experts really like right now. That's switzerreport.com.au. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining us.